mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The Rest of the Story. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Here now, Pastor Moody. I want to go to the Word of God um, tonight, and I'm going to the book of Jonah, to chapter 3, and start in verse number 1, and uh, I hope that uh, God will speak to you. I, Jonah's story is a story in a whale, and we know uh, uh, about the first part of that, how that God spoke to him to go to Nineveh, and he went down to Joppa and got on a boat heading for Tarshish, and a storm came, and he ended up thrown out of the boat, swallowed by a whale. And uh, so many people know that story and how that God then brought him to Nineveh. And uh, I want to just preach tonight, though, on the thought of the rest of the story. I was reading something this week, and and it really spoke to my heart. A preacher friend of mine had written, and uh, he was talking about Jonah. And uh, I'm not going to deal with Jonah tonight other than to say this, that, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Job. I'm going to deal with Jonah, but he was talking about Job. And he talked about how that Job, all that he had and all that he lost in a day's time. The Bible said he had seven sons and three daughters. He had 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and uh, uh, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses. In other words, this was more than just livestock. It was his source of income and commerce. And he was, the Bible said, the richest man or greater than all the men of the East. And what my friend said that, that really touched my heart was, he said, but then God, after his trial, moved in the second half of his life greater than he did in the first. And I begin to think about that, about the second half of the story of Job. And then the Lord just kind of took me to the story of Jonah and the second half of his story. And so I want to deal tonight, if I could, uh, maybe to just sound a little retro, sound maybe like uh, Paul Harvey that used to be, I want to just talk to you about the rest of the story or the second half. Amen. So often when we think of the story, hear the story of a, especially a familiar one, we have a tendency to focus on the main parts. And uh, for example, Jonah disobeyed God, he went the wrong way and all the distress that it caused him. But I want to deal with that. Let's look at Jonah chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible said the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. That literally means it took three days to walk across Nineveh. It was so large. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, about a third of the way in. Amen. He went too far to turn back. Somebody ought to say that. He went too far to turn back. And the Bible said he cried and said, 
yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth and from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Father, I want you to add your blessing to the word of God tonight. Amen. I want to say this again. So often we hear a story, a Bible story, and we think of the familiar parts. We think of David killing Goliath in the valley of Elah. But we know there was part of that story before he met Goliath, and there was a greater part of that story after he met Goliath. And as I mentioned, Job. Job had all of this wealth and all these belongings and wonderful family and and all this livestock and everything that he had. The Bible said the greatest man in the East. And yet, according to the word of God, he lost it all in a day. So often as with Jonah, we fail to get the rest of the story. And uh, I know that all of you know the rest of Jonah's story, but that's not my point. The point is that some of us have had our story told again and again by people who only had or only chose to tell part of the story. You know what I'm talking about. Those people that, that remember what you used to do that was wrong. Or they remember the time that you failed. Or the time that you failed. They remember the things that you struggled with. But they don't know about the time that God brought deliverance. And they don't care to share how that God has turned your life around. And you've been living for Him. And you've been blessed of God. And things have been going well. Hallelujah. Thank God. Amen. I, I mentioned Paul Harvey used to say, I used to listen to his program. And if some of you don't know who Paul Harvey is, you ought to Google it and listen to him. He was a great spokesman. And he would tell part of the story. Then they'd go to a commercial break. And then he'd say, now, page two. He'd go on with the second half of the story. I've found that in the life of a child of God, most of the time, the second half is greater than the first half. God prophesied by the way of a man of God in the Old Testament and said this, the glory of the latter house will be greater than that of the former. I want to prophesy that to somebody tonight and tell you that no matter where you may be standing right now, I felt like the Lord sent me by tonight to tell you that the second half is going to be better than the first half. Oh, hallelujah. The rest of the story is going to be better than the beginning of the story. Jonah was, uh, wasn't very, so very different than a lot of people. He had heard from God, and that's a good thing. But then he did what probably all of us have done to some degree at one time or another. He disobeyed God. That's bad, but it's not too unusual. I know that the consequences were greater. That this great city of Nineveh, a city of tens of thousands, were about to be destroyed. And God had sent him with a message. A message of warning and a message of repentance. The good part of the story is that when he got there, amen, that the people did repent. But before that, there's some strange parts of this story. It does get a little strange. I mean, the, that whole belly, you know, being in the belly of a whale incident... Is, is, is a little bit hard to comprehend. That sort of thing doesn't happen all the time as much as we tr uh, preachers try to you know, convince people sometimes that it's normal. It's not normal to be swallowed by a whale. 
I want to tell you that being away from God causes things that are not normal to take place. God gave us uh, this account to teach us some obvious things and some things that often get overlooked. Jonah got a second chance. I mean, he got a second chance from God. Hallelujah. The way most people portray God is quite different from that. We most often think that with God, it's a one and done story. And I think that in Jonah's story, we can really see a lot of things that we as Christians can identify with. And the fact is that all of us have this God who's a God of love and mercy. And I really feel like God's grace is the message that needs to be preached right now. I, I really feel like that, that people who are angry, people who are hurt, people who feel like they've been betrayed and, and wounded and left alone, you need, to under, you need to know about the message of grace. You need to know about God's wonderful, never-failing love and the fact that He's willing to come to where you are and find you in your distress Oh, listen, find you in your failure, find you in your sin, and pick you up and wash you with red blood and make your heart as white as snow. Hallelujah. Uh, let's, let's just look back at this for a moment. In chapter 1, we see the story of Jonah as the backslider, the man who, who uh, listened. He, he didn't listen to God, and uh, the lesson learned was this, that God is patient with us. And he doesn't give up on us so easily. Proverbs 14 and 14 said, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. You know what that means? That means when you backslide, you get away from God, that all of a sudden things begin to turn upside down. Jeremiah said it like this. In uh, Jeremiah 3 and 14, he said, Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. Listen, God said, I am married to you. I will take you one of a city and two of a family. And God's talking to Jeremiah at a time when they were in captivity. And he says, I will bring you to Zion. Amen. This is a God that wants to bring us from bondage and distress I was reading this morning in my devotionals and studying a little bit about how Israel was brought out from Egypt and when they began to complain because they had no meat. And they said, we remembered the fish and we remembered the, you know, the, the, the leeks and the cucumbers and all those things that they mentioned. But they'd forgotten the whip upon the back. They'd forgotten the horrible bondage and, and the religious heritage being torn away from them. And uh, so God became angry with them. They were wanting meat and he sent them quail. The Bible said, I, I believe a day's journey on every side of the camp, about three feet deep. It was quail and they were gathering them and God got angry at them. And he said, while they said, while they were eating it, it started to rot in their mouth. I, I know that sounds gross, but God was trying to deal with the people that he wanted to understand. I've got a plan for you. And in your backsliding, I care for you. Hosea 14 and 4 said, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely for my anger is turned away from them. Listen, God is willing to turn away from anger. Amen. Joel said it like this. He said, who knows that maybe the Lord will 
will turn back and leave us a blessing. Hallelujah. I, I know there's probably somebody watching me right now. You need a blessing. Hosea 14 and 5. He went on and said, I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. You know what God was saying? It doesn't have to be the nations around you that prosper all the time and people around you that seem like they're doing so well. God said, I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'll bless you if you'll turn and let me come into your life. And so Jonah, he, he went the wrong way and he got swallowed by the whale. But what I read in your hearing was that God took him and put him back, amen, into the ministry and where he needed to be, amen. Amen, let's see him. We see him as the backslider. But now we see him as the confessor. Lesson learned. God loves me even when I mess up. Oh, somebody ought to say that with me right now. God loves me even when I blow it. When I do, when I fall short. When I, at the end of the day, when I have to look back and say, man, you sure tore things upside down today. But isn't it good that God is right there waiting for us? The Bible said if we confess our faults, He is just to forgive us. I said this in church the other night, I said, or the other morning, I said, you can tell when somebody's not really repented over sin or over failure because they're always trying to blame somebody else or put the fault on somebody else. David said, my sin is ever before me and against God only have I sinned. And he repented and cried out and God forgave him of a horrible, horrible sin. Listen, when you confess your sins, Jonah, the Bible said in Jonah 2 and 1, it said, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord. Uh, his God out of the fish's belly. He said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me, listen, out of the belly of hell. Finest Dake said, I believe Jonah was dead, not just in a whale's belly, because the scripture said it's Jesus was in the, uh, as, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days, Jesus was in the heart of the earth three days. And so he said, I cried from hell. And he said, he heard my voice. I want to just say this. You've never been to hell. You've never died and went to hell because of your sin. But God heard him cry even from there. No matter how far you've gone, God is listening. Verse 3, for thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, and thy billows and thy waves passed me over. Amen. And he said, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Here's why. One of the reasons I believe it was there, the, the scripture said in verse number seven of Jonah two, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came unto thee in your holy temple. And the Lord spoke to the fish, verse number 10, and it vomited him out on dry land. So we see the backslider, Jonah. We see the confessor. Jonah, we see him the first part of his life, of his ministry here. He's a terrible failure. But can I tell you, his story is still recorded in the Bible. And it's not recorded just because he failed. My God, no. It's recorded because he cried out to God. From the belly of hell, he looked up. I, I want to tell somebody tonight, 
You might feel like you're in the worst place, the lowest pit. You might feel like you're a million miles from God and a million miles from Zion. You might feel like you're a million miles from where you used to be. But I'm here to tell you, you can cry out to God, Jonah did, even from the belly of hell, and the Lord heard him and restored him. So I, I see the backslider. And I see the confessor. And now all of a sudden, I see him as the preacher. Glory to God. In verse number, uh, John, Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 said, he got the chance and he started to preach. And he said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Amen. Hallelujah. But God began to speak to the city. Back in Jonah 1 and 2, God told him, he said, arise and go to Nineveh and that great city and cry against it because their wickedness has come unto me. And yet Jonah then, when he came out of the whale's belly, amen, he did the preaching. God said, go do the preaching that I bid thee. Listen, preaching against sin, but preaching now with mercy. Preaching against what they were doing, but understanding I went by way of death to get here. I want to tell somebody something tonight. Jesus Christ went to the cross for you. Amen. You might think nobody cares about you. Amen. We're in a generation now where, where, where there are millions of people in America who say they don't even believe in God. They, they say that this Bible is a book of myth and it's a book of fable. Maybe you're one of those watching me right now, but I've come to tell you what this is. This is the greatest love story that was ever written. The Bible said that while we were yet sinners, that God loved us, Christ loved us, and gave himself for us and went to the old rugged cross and there that sinless perfect man that son of God amen he he died in your place and you might say preacher how can I ever know that that's the truth why don't you call on him if you'll ask him Jesus are you real? Can you reveal to me that what this preacher is saying is true? I want to tell you, if you'll call on him, Saul of Tarsus did, and Jesus responded and said, I am Jesus whom you persecuted. Hallelujah. I've come to tell somebody tonight, amen, when Peter failed the Lord on the night of his arrest and trial and the next day his crucifixion and Peter cursed and denied and said he didn't know him. But after Jesus rose from the dead. He said, you go tell my disciples and Peter, don't leave him out, that I am alive. I've risen. And he showed himself to him. I want to tell you, amen, Paul then said, I saw him, amen, he was seen alive by over 500. The, the resurrection of Jesus, hear me, is the most documented fact of history. Are you hearing me? The most well-documented fact of history recorded by the Romans who were meticulous record keepers recorded by the Jews who killed him and wanted to do away with him are you hearing me and recorded by his disciples and you might say well they were just his followers no they were in the beginning just a bunch of ignorant, unlearned men, Galileans. But by the time it was over, they were Holy Ghost-filled, anointed men of God. And the Bible said they literally turned the world upside down. And in their generation, they won the whole world as it was known to Christianity. Oh, listen, Jonah got another chance. You can have another chance. Listen, Jonah discovered 
God's compassion. He discovered God's grace. Listen, the Bible said in Psalm 100 and verse number 5, The Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. And that includes you and I tonight. Amen. We see their response. Amen. The Bible said the people of Nineveh believed God, in verse number 5, and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. They began to turn themselves around to God. I want to say this. God provided a warning. But with that, he also provided a plan. And then God brought a revival to that city. For Jonah, God prepared a fish that swallowed him up and took him to the depths of despair that he could turn to God. After that, God prepared a gourd to shelter his head, amen, from the beating sun, amen. And then God sent a worm to eat at the gourd vine and caused it to die and let it begin, the sun begin to scorch him again. And when Jonah began to complain about the gourd, God said, would you complain about this gourd? Or would you not shout over that great city full of people who just turned their hearts to God? So many times we get so selfish, we forget what God is doing. The scripture said he sent a vehement, hot, dry east wind to burn his head to get his attention. Amen. I want to conclude with this. When Moses received the second set of tables of stone with the law, the scripture said in Exodus 34 and 5 that the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed there the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant. Amen. And uh, keeping mercy for a thousand. Praise God. Verse number seven. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin. And that by no means to clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, under the third and fourth generation. You know what God's saying? He's saying sin destroys families. But I want you to know in the first part of verse 7, he said he keeps mercy for thousands. He forgives iniquity. God forgives transgression and sin. God wants you to know that tonight there's a way that you can come out of sin. You can come out of bondage. He'll give you a second chance, a chance, amen. The rest of the story is simply this. Your past does not have to determine your future, amen. You may be away from God, but God's able tonight to turn your situation around. We've seen him over the last several weeks with this, this horrible coronavirus, and, and there's been a lot of sickness and a lot of things that have happened, and that's all a lot of people want to focus on. But I'd like to tell you about the people that have been brought through it, the people that have been restored, the people that have been healed, the people that have gotten lifted up and their faith has been renewed, and they believe that God's able to do anything. I want to tell you, I, you can't find that out, amen, if you give up on God because of coronavirus hit and, some, and you got sick or some other people got sick. Well, listen, I believe the second half of the story is going to be greater than the first half. And all the 
the things that are happening, all the stuff that's going wrong in America, this political climate that's so corrupted that we're in, if we just focus on that, we'll just kind of hang our head. And like uh, the scripture said of of the Jews, they said, we remembered uh, Zion by the rivers of Babylon. We sat down and wept and we remembered Zion and hanged our harps upon the willows, which means they lost their praise. They lost their victory. But God wants you to know tonight that the rest of the story. Amen. The second half of the story. I, I want to say it. Page two's coming. Praise God. Get ready for God to move in your life and tell him right now, Jesus, I need you. And you might be watching me tonight and, and maybe you're sitting out there wrestling with a drug problem or an alcohol problem or a marital problem or a financial distress or, or maybe the, the coronavirus has, has stolen your health and you, and you can't recover it seems. And I've come to tell you the Bible said with his stripes were healed and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And I want to tell you the scripture said ask and you sh-. Jesus said ask and you shall receive seek and you'll find knock and it shall be opened to you. God is able to change the rest of your story. Will you pray with me? If you don't know the Lord, would you just pray right now and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for how I've lived. I'm sorry for what my life has been up to this point. But I believe what Brother Moody said. I believe that the blood of Jesus can cleanse me and the Holy Spirit can fill me and restore me. So Lord, forgive me. Come into my life and let the rest of the story be greater than the first part. Let the second half be better than the first half. God, I want you to move for me. You know, Job had all of that. And do you know the Bible says that in the end of Job's life, I wrote this down. In the beginning, he had seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses. Greater than all the men of the east. But the scripture said that the latter part of Job's life was greater because instead of 7,000 sheep, he had 14,000 sheep. Instead of 3,000 camels, he had 6,000 camels. Instead of 500 yoke of oxen, he had a 1,000 yoke of oxen. Instead of 500 she-asses, he had a 1,000. And God gave him seven more sons and three more daughters. And it starts to tell their names. And it says they were more handsome than the day was one of them's name. And, and that one of them's name was the picture of beauty of the girls. And, and, and God blessed him the latter end more than the first. Oh, if we could just know what God can do for us tonight. And said I. hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.